You can be seated, but if all the children could just come down front, we're going to spend a little time together. Come on, kids, come on. Right up here. We're going to sit right on this floor. They wanted me to stay on the stage so you could see me, but I don't want to be so high above the kids. So have a seat. Have a seat. Okay, so today in church, we're going to talk about faith. And I have a question for you. What is in this bag? Goldfish? You think it's goldfish? How do you know? Yeah. It says goldfish on the package, and it has a seal. That's what he said. Who, why else do you think there's goldfish in here? Anybody? Why do you think there's goldfish? Have you opened this bag before and seen inside? You have opened this bag? This one right here? No, not this one? You haven't? Okay. Yeah, it's still sealed. I don't think... No, nope, nobody's opened it. Hmm. You think there's candy in there? No, you think it's goldfish. Why? Why do you think it's goldfish? Because it says on the package. But you haven't seen the goldfish, right? No, you just, you just are pretty sure there's goldfish in there. You're just pretty sure. Okay. I would call that faith. You have faith that there's goldfish in this bag, right? You believe it? It says it on the bag. You believe there's goldfish in it, right? Good. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. So let me tell you something. Faith is when we believe in something even though we can't see it or prove it. So just like these goldfish, you didn't see the goldfish, did you? You just see the bag. You can't prove there's goldfish in here, can you? You're just pretty darn sure that there's goldfish in there, right? Unless you open it, that's exactly right. Okay, so um, faith in the Bible, it says, faith is being sure of what we hope for, being sure of what we do not see. So can anybody give me an example of something else that you can't see that you still believe in? That's a tricky question. What's something that you can't see, but you're pretty sure it's still there? Yeah. Jesus. Yep, I haven't seen Jesus. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's awesome. I do believe that Jesus is there, even though I can't see him. How about the wind? Have you ever seen the wind? You've seen the wind? I have not seen the wind, but I can feel it sometimes. Do you feel the wind? Yeah. You're pretty sure the wind is there, but you've never seen it. It's tricky, yes. Mm -hmm. that's right you can see your breath that's true when the winter when it freezes okay there are um lots of stories in the bible where people had great big faith um and they had to trust that god was going to take care of them in tricky situations do you know any of those stories any story where somebody had to have great big faith to believe that jesus or god was going to help them how about do you remember daniel when he was in the lion's den you remember that story and he really had to trust that God was going to take care of him. Mm -hmm. But he didn't know, right? He didn't know God was going to take care of him. But he had to trust and he had to have faith that it was going to happen. How about, um, remember David and Goliath? Do you remember that story? Yeah. Where David had to fight that big giant. And he wasn't pretty sure if he could do it. But he knew God could help him. And he had faith that God was going to help him. God loves us so much and he wants us to have faith in him. That means we can trust him, that he can do all things. He can take care of us. He keeps his promises and his word is true. In the Bible, Jesus told his followers that they need to have faith like children in order to receive God's blessings. And what that just means, faith like children, it just means simple, uncomplicated faith. So here's an example that Jesus says in the Bible. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So basically Jesus says, I'm the way to get to heaven. Believe in me and, and you'll get to God. Do you believe that? That Jesus is the way to heaven? Yeah. Jesus said it, so it's true, right? And it's in the Bible and we believe the Bible. 
Mm-hmm. Yep. So having faith is just that simple, and it's just that Jesus wants to wants us to have faith in God. Um, so it's just like this goldfish bag, like we talked about. We can't see inside the bag, but we know that there's crackers in there, right? You know, there's goldfish crackers in there. Um, we can't see Jesus right in front of us. We talked about that, but we know He loves us, and that heaven is waiting for us if we put our faith in Him. So let's pray about that, and then I'm going to give you an activity bag to take back to your seat. Okay, let's pray. God, thank you for these children, and thank you for um, teaching us through your word that faith is really simple and that we can trust you to always take care of us. And thank you for sending us your son, and it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Hey, good morning, everyone. My name is Dan Hendricks, and I'm pumped to be able to be here today. And uh, John has asked me to come and teach this morning on having the faith of a mustard seed. So I'm excited to jump into a passage of scripture today and pull out some things that I think can impact all of our lives. And as we start, here's what I want you to do. I want you to think of something that you tried to do and it didn't really work out like you thought it would. Okay, something, whatever in your life, maybe it's a hobby, maybe it was something you tried to do with someone, just get that in your mind, something you tried to do, and you're like, you know what, it just, it just didn't quite pan out like I thought. And here's my story for that. When I was newly out of college, I was working at a small church north of Lexington, Kentucky, and uh, in those days, this was old school church, I mean, we had the hymnals, right, and this was before you could wear jeans or shorts to church, you certainly couldn't have coffee in church, that was like, there's no way that would ever go over, but anyway, at our church, we had special music right before the sermon every week. Anybody grow up and have that special? Okay, some of you remember that, yes. And on to, for the special music, you would go to the Bible bookstore and buy a little cassette tape. We had cassette tapes before there was the internet, before, yeah, so if you're under 30, you remember what those little things were, and you'd put it in there, and you'd play it, and you'd sing the song. And we sometimes had trouble getting people at our church to, to, to have special music. And so I had this crazy idea that, you know what? I would do the special music one Sunday. So I had seen people do special music. I love Stephen Curtis Chapman. I thought, you know, I sing to his songs in the car all the time. I sing to him in the shower. I'm just going to do this. So I'm in front of our church. It's time for me to do the special music. And I started, and you know you get to that point when you just can tell, like, it's not going real well, you know. Like old ladies are turning their hearing aids down, you know, dogs are howling. Uh, It's just just not going well. And... um, in my mind, I thought, I thought this would be easy. I thought I could do this. I mean, no, I never tried singing before, but somehow I thought that I could sing, and it just seemed easy, and no one had ever told me. And it was kind of like one of those moments in American Idol, you know, they put on like the beginning of the season, and they're singing, and people are just like, uh, this is... So anyway, I didn't get a ticket to Hollywood. I can tell you that. It just it didn't work out. But I want you to think that, and I asked that question, because we're going to look at a story today, a passage, where things did not go as the people in the story thought that they would go. And so I'd like for you to take a Bible, if you have it, and turn to Matthew chapter 17. If you don't have a Bible, that's fine. You can follow up up on the the screen. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to go through this passage. We're going to unpack some truths. And then I'm going to share with you one truth. And then I'm going to follow it up with one action step that I want to challenge you with for all of us to take. Okay, Matthew chapter 17. This is the story of Jesus. And this is what we find if we pick it up in verse 14 of this passage. It says, when they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Now, Jesus was like a first century rock star. I mean, wherever he went, 
Thousands of people were following him around. I mean, it was difficult for him to get from place to place. People wanted to hear him. People wanted to touch him. People wanted him to heal them. I mean, it was just it was crazy going on. So this is one of those situations, and a man approaches Jesus in the crowd. In verse 15, we find out why. Lord, have mercy on my son, the man said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly, and he often falls in, into the fire or into water. So th- this father's desperately coming to Jesus because he has this son that has this condition. And if you're a parent, you can totally understand if your child had something, you're, you're looking to any way that can fix this, any way that can take care of his son. Verse 16, the man says, I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. So in an attempt for this guy to get help for his son, he, he can't get to Jesus, so he gets to Jesus' disciples, and he thinks, well, maybe they can do something. They, they couldn't help him. So there's this level of frustration. Like, they, they, it didn't work, so now I'm coming to you. Verse 17. Listen to what Jesus says. He says, you unbelieving and perverse generation, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Now, my first thought when I read that is that Jesus is frustrated Maybe mad, like rolling his eyes, like, oh my gosh, these guys are totally worthless. But, but I don't think that's really the heart in it. I think the heart is more that Jesus is brokenhearted. Not, not angry, not mad, but, but disappointed, brokenhearted. And then we're going to go on in the story and we're going to see why here in a second. Verse 18, the boys brought to Jesus. Jesus rebuked the demon. It came out of the boy and he was healed at that moment. So Jesus performs a miracle, takes this guy's son who has all these problems, and then immediately the the demon comes out and the boy is immediately healed. And so the father is just ecstatic. Now verse 19 is is where things turn a little bit. It's after it's all gone, it's all happened, everybody went home, they're excited, they're going to tell everyone, "You, you should have seen this, Jesus healed this boy. Verse 19, later on, then the disciples came to Jesus in private, and they ask, why couldn't we drive it off? Jesus. Like, we, we tried, Jesus. I mean, we, we tried to do what you did. I mean, we, we had John, he grew a beard like you. You know, we had Andrew, he, he got a tunic, you know, just like yours. We said the right things. We stood like you stood. We, you know, we held our hands. We did all the things that you do. And we thought, well, we've seen Jesus do this. We'll just go out and do it. And for some reason, it just didn't work. Like, why, why didn't it work? Why? It was kind of embarrassing. We didn't know what to say. We, you know, we kept doing the hand motion and nothing happened and we had no excuse. We, it, was, it was kind of embarrassing, Jesus. What happened? And look at verse 20. Jesus replies, because you have so little faith. And I tell you, if your faith, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. So here's the truth that I want you to see today out of this story. It's not the size of your faith, but it's just source of your faith that makes all the difference. If you look around, there are a lot of people that put faith in different things. They put faith in themselves. They put faith in another individual. They put a faith in a career. They put faith in their bank account. They put faith in a doctor or their health. They put faith in a lot of different things, and it can be big faith. But Jesus is saying, you know, it's not so much the size of your faith that matters. It's the source of your faith. We always think bigger is better. We somehow think in our culture, you know, you can't have a TV that's too big. You can't have a cell phone that's too big. You can't have a car that has too much horsepower. I mean, everything is bigger is better, bigger is better. We learn that. And Jesus is saying it's not so much about the size of your faith. 
Guys, it's, it's the source. You've got to tap into the right source. The mountain moves not because of the amount of faith you have, but because of who your faith is in. So that's the big, the, the big idea. It's not the size of your faith, it's the source of your faith. Now here's the action step that I want to leave with you this morning. I, Dan, I want to control outcomes. That, that's my nature. When something happens that I see, I try to control it. I try to manipulate it. I try to get things to work out the way that I want to, whether it's in any kind of struggle, whether um, it's an issue that, that I've come across, I try to manipulate, I try to control, influence, force, bribe, charm, whatever I try to do to, to get it to work out the way that I want it to do. Now, here's the action step for you and I. I want to control outcomes but God wants me to live with confident obedience in him. And there's a big difference between those two. My, my job, it's like I, I just try to fix it all. I try to get it all to happen. Whatever comes in my life, I try to fix it. God says, I just want you to have confident obedience in me, that I'm the God who can do big things, the God who can move mountains. And if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, just that much faith in me, and, and I am your source, I can do powerful things in your life. And confidence alone d- doesn't get it, because confidence alone just leaves us full of selfishness and pride. So it's not just confidence. And obedience alone leaves us kind of empty and hollow. But the faith of the mustard seed is the confidence that God is who he says he is, and that he will do everything that he has promised to do. Now, it was about a month ago that John asked me to come and uh, share this morning and speak about this topic. And on Wednesday, I got a call from my boss on my company telling me that they laid off 25% of the people in our company, and my job was one of them. I was like, God, you have a crazy sense of humor sometimes, okay? I'm supposed to stand up in front of people and talk about faith, talk about having the faith of a mustard seed, and now on Wednesday, you hit me with this. Like, I'm the one struggling with this concept. How am I supposed to stand up in front of people and talk about an idea that I wrestle with myself? And God said, that's exactly why I asked you to do it. And I'm like, okay, God, uh, I gotcha. But imagine your outlook, if you were absolutely sure in your life that God was with you 100%. Imagine how differently you would respond to things in your life your struggles, your temptations, the issues that go on, if you knew with certainty that God was taking whatever you're experiencing and he was going to leverage it for good because he was the source of your faith. And if you could have faith the size of a mustard seed, that it would be enough to tap into powerful things that God could do. Not because you're smart, not because you're a genius, not because of of how clever you are, but because of the source that you've tapped into. I want to leave you with a quote from Max Lucado, who's an author and pastor and a brilliant man. This is what he says. Don't measure the size of the mountain, but talk to the one who can move it. And so the worship team's going to come up, and they're going to lead us in another song, and they're going to do it way better than I would ever be able to sing it, trust me. But I want to leave you with a prayer, so let's bow our heads, okay? Hey, God, I thank you for our time to look at this passage of Scripture today. And may you... Help us to walk out of here today and remember that it's not the size of our faith, but it is the source of our faith that makes the difference. And if we have just a small amount, as small as a mustard seed is, a tiny itty bitty speck of that faith in you, Father, you can take it and you can grow it and you can do incredible things with it. And would you give us the strength and the courage to trust that? 
the strength and the courage to believe that and know that and live that way and not be shaken by the things that go on in our lives or our world, but know that you are our firm foundation. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, I hope all of you realize that the theme today is faith. Faith of a child, the faith of a mustard seed, and we're going to talk about the faith of moving a mountain. Now, uh, I was thinking about this amazing fifth Sunday that we have. As a matter of fact, let's give it up again for the food team, for the biscuits and the gravy. So I have a tear-jerking, inspirational quote about biscuits and gravy from my greatest and uh, most appreciated theologian, Larry the Cable Guy. So um, here's what he says. We're going to pull it up here. I love food, biscuits and gravy, cheese grits and spaghetti and meatballs, chicken fried steak with white gravy, but my favorite dish in all the world is my wife's beanie weenie cornbread casserole. It is so good. It sounds stupid, but when you eat it, it's heaven. Of course, it's only something you can eat when you've got a lot of money. Can I have an amen? So when you come together for uh, Fifth Sunday, remember all the work and the effort and the love, really, that went into those biscuits and the gravy. Now, I have something spontaneous I want to share with you. Uh, that's going to happen tonight at 6 o'clock, and that is, uh, and when you go out, you can pick up one. We're going to have a prayer walk, and here's how it works. Come here at 6, and uh, we're actually going to have a big church bus, and get on the bus, and we're just going to go to four or five places here on the west side, and we just want to pray for God to move on the west side. So if you have an opening tonight in your schedule, just come here at 6. There's no big agenda. You just know we're going to pray for some of these key areas that God's put in our backyard. So that's tonight at 6 o'clock. Like you take your scriptures then and turn, we're going to focus on these two verses, verses 20 and 21. Listen carefully again. And uh, don't you love what Dan shared? I want you to think about the power of that. Is it's, it's the source. Are you plugging in to the source? Because that's where faith is. Jesus replied, you have such little faith, but I tell you the truth. If you have the faith, now let's share this together. As a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing is what will be impossible to you. I want you to think about the power of moving mountains of faith and what that really means. When I was doing a study a while back with the John the Baptist scripture, there was this word that I absolutely love. It's a Greek word, tapanao, tapanao. It's the word for humility. But listen to the definition. It is to level a mountain or a hill to make low. In other words, in your life, what God wants all of us to do is say, are you willing to submit to me? Are you willing to surrender to me? And in many ways, that's like taking a mountain in your life and cutting that mountain out because God's got better things in store for you. That's humility. That's how we get, begin this process of faith is giving it up, saying it's not about me. It's not me who's in control, but I want to give this to God and let him be in control. Now, raise a hand. How many have an easy time giving up control? Raise your hand. Okay. Well, well I got, think we got one person that didn't hear the question. So anyway, we all, don't we all have a hard time giving that up and ultimately say, God, this is yours. Man, I'm going to give this totally to you. But here's the beautiful thing. When you allow God to start removing those things from your life, there is a view that God wants you to have that, and a perspective you will never have until you submit to him. 
a good friend of mine, Tony Lutz. Uh, Tony, will you raise your hand? He's in the back. Yeah, get out of the biscuits and gravy, Tony. Anyway, Tony's the guy. He greets you out here. He's the guy who's always really down in the spirits. You know, he's always frowning. Okay, that's Tony, okay? Tony has a beautiful backyard, and what I love is it overlooks the country club golf course, okay? So we were out there the other night, and Tony said, it's amazing when I moved here because there was all this brush and all these trees, and I had to start cutting down all the tree limbs and brush, and when I did, then this view, just amazing view, came right there, but you had to do a lot of work to get there. Let me tell you, it takes a lot of work to start removing these areas of our life that prevent us from having the faith in Christ that he wants. So let me just give you a couple of things that I've learned about this text that I absolutely love. And in order for you to get it, uh, comprehend it completely, let me share with you a TV soundbite, and I want to see if you can identify this TV show. Okay, guys. Okay, that's good. Okay, now if you're... If you are under the age of 40, you don't know what that is. But if you are over 40, how many of you know what that was? Anybody? Yell it out. Yeah, that was good. I'm, I'm glad I'm not the only nerd who was required to watch the Walton on Thursday nights. And I would sit there. This is a strange memory with my mom and my sister. But I'm telling you, I lived a crazy life, okay? So we would watch the Waltons. And you remember all these amazing things with this large family that took place on what? Walton Mountain. So I found a title to a book. I love the title of this book. It's, it's from Mary McDonough, who is one of the actors, one of the child actors. The title of the book is Lessons I Learned from the Mountain. I want you to think in your life, the lessons you've learned from the mountains in your life. I don't mean the easy times. I don't mean the, the times that you're just kind of coasting through life. I mean the mountains. I mean the struggles and the challenges, and I want you to think about the lessons you've learned when you've been on those mountains. Because here's a couple of valuable lessons all of us need to learn about God. God can take something small, and he can make it enormous. That's the mustard seed. That's the first part of that principle. He can take something that is so small, and he can make it enormous. Let me give you an example of that. We have a man at church. We're going to pull up a picture. His name is Elan Rajamani. And Elon, he looks like a ghost in this picture, but there's a guy behind there, okay. Here's what I love about Elon. Elon is this, just this small, he's just this, first time I met him, just this small guy, and he had this crazy dream. His dream was, when these students move into town, I wonder what would happen if we could give them a few pieces of furniture. Now, that dream started about 11, 12 years ago. Now, if you were anywhere near the International Furniture Drive, wouldn't you say that was a mustard seed dream? He took this dream, he unleashed it and said, I need help, and four to 500 volunteers have turned out to, I think, one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. That's what God wants to do with our ideas. That's what he wants to do with our dreams. But here's how it works. He could care less about your dreams if, you're not at the, if he's not at the focus of those dreams. He doesn't care if you have a great business. He doesn't care if you get a lot of awards. He could care less. But when you start with a mustard seed prayer and you say, God, I am over my head. I give this to you. Will you take this mustard seed? Will you take this dream? And will you do something with it? And he will blow the doors off. Do you believe that? 
Seriously, he will, you might have walked in here this morning, you may be a visitor, and you thought, I am so bummed out, and you walk in, boom, biscuits and gravy. Okay, no other church is throwing that down, okay? He just made a dream come true. He can take something so small, and he can blow it up. Here's a quote if you're taking notes. It's by Perry Noble. It says, if you can explain it, then God wasn't in it. If you can explain it, God wasn't in it. And I believe that with all my heart. If you turn something over to God and that dream blows up, if you can take out a piece of paper and go, I can tell you exactly how that went down. You know what? God wasn't in that. It's when you step back and somebody goes, how did that happen? You go, I don't have a clue. All I know is God showed up and he did something amazing and I can only explain it was God. God can take something small and it can become enormous. And then last of all, God can take something enormous and he can reduce it into something small. Now, here's what I mean by that. Because I, I, really, wanna, I really wanna reach out to those of you that I know are hurting right now. The other day I went out, um, I'm, I'm going on this trail hike. A good friend Chad Nykirk's here and some buddies. We're gonna go on the Appalachian Trail and we're gonna hike 30 or 100 miles, I don't, the numbers are fuzzy. But anyway, <laughs> we're going on this hike. So I went out the other day, and I'm like, I, I, you ever do that? Like, I'm going to get in shape today. You ever do that? Guys are really stupid that way. So like, I'm going four miles today. And so the way I do it is, and I've always, I always break it up. So I'll jog like two minutes, walk two minutes. And so I live out near the B-line in uh, Clear Creek Trail. So I get on the trail, and uh, I mean, I walk two minutes, and then I run two minutes. And you ever have those moments like, you know, I'm not bragging, but God, I feel great today. Thank you for making me so great. You ever had one of those? And so the next two-minute run, I just pick up the pace, and I'm like, I don't know if everybody's, you know, got a stopwatch, but I think I'm setting records, you know. <laughs> and then the next two minutes, I even feel better, like I'm passing the moms, pushing the kids, you know. I mean, like, you know, hey, old man, sorry you're fat and slow. You know, anyway, so I'm flying. And then you know anything about if you're jogging in southern Indiana four miles, eventually what's coming? You're going to hit hills. Now, I'm, I've been here long enough. I know that. But I, I started up, and there's a series of two hills. And when I made it up the first hill, and I dialed 911, you know, I'm like, I'm going to die here. So I had a little, then I had a flat space. And then I was this long hill. And there was a stop sign at the top. And I, I remember I bent over, you know, uh, said a prayer, you know, called a priest for last rites, you know, everything. And I looked at the stop sign. And I'm not lying, I just started plodding. And, here, and the neighbors probably thought I was crazy. But I was just saying to myself, today, this is my marathon. Today, this is my marathon. Today, this is my marathon. And I, I seriously, I'm like, if I die, I'm going to get to that stop sign. And I get, to the, I get to the stop sign, and I did. I'm heaved over, and I'm sweating. And then I'm in the middle of the road, I don't even realize it. And then honk, and it's somebody from church. And they roll the window down. Are you Okay. No, I'm not, okay? <laughs> Let me ask you a question right now. Right now where you're at, and I want you to be brutally honest with yourself. What's your marathon right now? What's your mountain? Because when we here have the faith to remove mountains, I think sometimes we look at that and say, God, I think that's saying there's this bold challenge, and you want me to take that mountain. You know, sometimes I think what God is saying, no, you already have a mountain. And some of you woke up this morning and you're looking at this mountain in your life and you're like, 
I don't know if I've got the strength to get to the top of the mountain. Lord, I don't know if I have the strength to take one step. And that's why we're here. When we have an invitation every week, we, we always want people to feel that they can come to Jesus Christ as their Savior. But you know what? We also want folks to know that if there's a mountain in front of you and you need prayer, we want to be here for you. And I know we're at tables, and I know it feels a little awkward, but I'm serious. If there's anything on your heart this morning, and it feels like a mountain, we want you to know that we want to be here for you. And you can put faith. I love that, what Dan shared with Max Claire. You can put faith in the God who moves mountains because he made the mountains to move. You can do that. Let's stand.